Jonah is such a unique story in the stories of the 12 minor prophets. Jonah's story stands out among uh, like none of the others. And we're going to continue looking at what the message of the minor prophet is saying to us for us today. Last week, we talked about Obadiah and what Obadiah's message meant, that humility is the pathway to the Lord. Choose wisely. And we've continued as where we started going through Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. And here we are almost at the halfway point of the minor prophets looking at Jonah. And then as we kick off the season of Advent, we'll be in another beautiful minor prophet next, uh, next week, Malachi. So this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit more about Jonah and what Jonah's message was. Jonah's message is very unique because Jonah's message is not something that he was preaching, unlike all the other minor prophets. All the other minor prophets, we get kind of the message from the book because it was the pronouncement of the Lord that they were giving for the land. But Jonah's message is different because we see very little of Jonah actually preaching and more about his stubbornness and obstinance to the Lord that teaches us about, a, about these principles about God. So Jonah's message does not include any prophetic pronouncements for Israel. Jonah is actually being sent to the Gentiles of Nineveh for the first time. And he's beginning to speak, or he's been commanded to speak a word to them that he is reluctant to give. And just to give Jonah a little perspective for you, Jonah was a successor of Elisha. And if you go in and you read Elijah and Elisha, the Bible talks about at that time that there were many other prophets who were coming up under them. And Jonah perhaps could have been one of them. We don't know, but perhaps he could have been. He was coming after the time of Elisha towards the end of Israel and Judah before their captivity. But God directs Jonah to go to Nineveh. And there have been many great Sunday school stories put together about Jonah, many great illustrations and pictures. And I have to admit, for a long time, those kind of uh, clouded my imagery of what I thought of Jonah. But as I have really began to study and look at Jonah, I want to tell you, Jonah, he, he has some problems. He's not a very... Uh, easy guy to get along with. He had some reluctance to the call of God. And although I think at times we kind of get this fairy tale image of Jonah and his story, Jonah was dealing with some really difficult things in his own heart, in his own life, but yet he was discovering a God who is full of mercy. And I think what we're going to discover in Jonah's life is that you and I are much like Jonah in many ways than maybe we're willing to admit. Jonah is directed to go to Nineveh. Now, you have to understand that Jonah, he was called to go to Nineveh, and yes, he was supposed to go to Nineveh, but the Ninevites were known for their problems. They were known for being a vicious people. They were known for being a people that had brought great damage to Israel. They were known for their violence. They were known for their cruelty. They were known for all of their really difficulties that they brought. And as a matter of fact, they were known to be a sworn enemy of Israel. And so for God to call Jonah to Nineveh, that was a difficult call. 
And it was a call that he was very reluctant to follow because in Jonah's mind, he was thinking, how in the world am I going to go tell these people to repent when I don't think they should be, be able to have repentance? When I don't think they deserve forgiveness? That was kind of Jonah's heart in all of this, was he saw the pain and struggle, I guess, of his own people. And so he looked at Nineveh and he said, I can't go there. And later on, we're going to look at the minor prophet Nahum. And Nahum follows the message of Jonah and also to the Ninevites and bringing really a stronger message to the people of Nineveh. But it's interesting enough that in the story of Jonah, while Jonah is very reluctant to go to the Ninevites, God is at work in, in Jonah's life and at, at the lives of the Ninevites and at the lives of the many of nations around them. And one of the things that I have found very interesting in looking at the minor prophets is that as we have begun to study their stories and look at them, and though they are giving pronouncements for Israel and speaking to God's chosen people, really what God is beginning to do is we're seeing in all of this is that God is opening up his heart and his message to all nations. And we see that once again in Jonah. And so we're going to look here at Jonah chapter 1, at the unusual story of Jonah. And can I just tell you, Jonah is full of depth and insight. And though we're going to do a cursory glance today, there are so many great insights to pull from Jonah's story. And uh, if you, you'll discover here as we read Jonah today, that Jonah actually ends in a big cliffhanger. We don't know how the story ends. We know uh, that Jonah goes through this process we're going to talk about, but we really don't know how it all comes together and ends. So here we are. We're going to read in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible says that now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, it's interesting that the Bible records that Jonah, he's not running away from Nineveh. He's running away from the presence of the Lord. So this teaches us something a little bit more about the call of God, that the call of God had very little to do about the actual location and more about obedience. So he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare. And this story teaches us something very interesting is that Jonah was so desperate to get away from Nineveh that he prayed what was probably a pretty hefty fare to go the opposite direction. He was going in literally the opposite way. He was supposed to go one way and he literally turned and went as far away possible as he could. And he got on a boat to try to make it happen. Now, one of the things to keep in mind as we're going to talk about here today is that to the people of Israel and to the Hebrews, whenever you talk about a sea or whenever you talk about an ocean, it usually signified danger. It usually signified trouble up ahead. And this is why you can read the psalmist and they say when they talk about the waters, there's often this sense of dismay and discouragement. And so the Bible says, Jonah, he paid his fare and he went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Once again, he's re recalling that word there away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea 
And such a mighty storm came upon that sea that the ship threatened to break up. And then the sailors were afraid and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. And Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. And the captain came and said to them, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. Now we get into something which is really interesting here in the story of Jonah, is that Jonah is on a boat with sailors. And he's not on a boat with just any sailors, but we get the idea from this text here is that Jonah is on a boat with sailors from all different types of nations that are wor worshiping any, many other types of gods. And so it's interesting that the sailors would go to Jonah and tell him, you need to get up and pray in order to get out of this trouble, which is going to be a, a theme we see in a few moments. And so the sailors, they begin to panic and figure out what is going on. They start throwing cargo overboard so that they can make it, but they realize this isn't working. And they realize that because they have this high sense of religiosity in their life and they have some type of fear for the gods or God, they realize there's something more difficult going on here. We need to figure it out. And so they start going to Jonah and say, hey, you better get up and pray. We're getting in trouble here. And the Bible says that the boat was literally about to break apart because the storm had got so bad. But it's important to remember that the Lord caused that wind to come upon it. And so the Bible goes on to tell the story that they came and they told him, Jonah told them that I am a Hebrew. Now, I'm not going to read all the text here, but if you go in and you read this story, it is fascinating to me that the Hebrew God, the God of Israel, had a reputation. He had a reputation that went before him that said, your God is the God of Israel. You're, wait, you're a Hebrew? That's your God? No wonder this is happening to us, was kind of the perspective that he did, that they had, the other sailors from the other nations. God, this teaches us something, and you see this not only in Jonah, but throughout other books in the Old Testament, but was that God had a reputation. And God had a reputation for being a powerful and mighty God, the same God who brought them through the Red Sea, who parted the waters on behalf of the Israelites in, in lure of the Egyptians. And we see this story and this calamity. And so there's this interesting mashup here in Jonah that we see here is God of Israel versus the nations. And the sailors know, Jonah, if this is going to stop, it's going to be when you call upon the Lord and you ask for help. And so Jonah decides, well, in order to get out of this, he self-sacrifices himself and says, just throw me into the sea. Just throw me into the ocean. And they were reluctant to do it. But finally, they relented and they threw Jonah into the ocean. And then the Bible tells us that a great fish swallowed Jonah up. And there he stayed for three days and three nights. What a story. What a story in the, in the Old Testament that a fish could be the home for Jonah for three days and three nights. What is most interesting about Jonah is that Jesus talks about Jonah quite a few times actually in his ministry and talks about the story of Jonah. And Jonah's message is this ultimately. Not a message that he would even say directly, but a message that we learn through his life that we're going to talk about today is that God is deliverer who is full of mercy, follow his plan for your life. 
This brings back to mind the verse from Isaiah that we often read about and we talk about, but is really a principle for the book of Jonah here today. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We see that Jonah spent his call pushing back against God's rich plan for his life. God, Jonah did not want to do what God had called him to do. He did not want to go to the Ninevites. He did not want to preach the message. He was reluctant. He was disobedient. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says that he was running away from the presence of the Lord. He had a heart that said, I am not going to do that. He was absolutely refusing it as a matter of fact that he went so far to get on a boat that caused him to be swallowed up by a fish in a great sea. And so we're going to talk this morning a little bit about following God's plan as we see in Jonah's life. And the first thing we see about Jonah as you read through these chapters of Jonah is that following God's plan is not about us. How many of you knew that today, that following God's plan is not about us? As much as we may think it's about us, and we may think that we're at the center of this universe and everything else revolves around us, maybe like Jonah perhaps thought at one time, it's not about us. You see, Jonah, he was convinced that his way was better than God's way. He was convinced that he knew what was best. He was convinced that he had the ultimate idea for the plan that he understood for his life. But each of Jonah's experience, experiences, as we read here, led to a personal encounter between Jonah and God. They each, every time, led him to a place where he encountered God. And what is amazing about the story of Jonah is that Jonah was so stubborn, so hard-headed, so disobedient, Maybe like some of us, maybe like me. But yet God was so merciful every time. This is what amazes me about the story of Jonah, was Jonah constantly kept refusing the Lord, constantly kept throwing his words back in his face. But yet God is continuing to stand there with mercy, with mercy over and over and over again. This is just like us following God's plan for our lives. As many times we have a picture in our minds of what we think our, our plan should look like for our lives, but God has a plan that is better than us and higher than we may understand. And each of these encounters through Jonah's life and teaches us about God's patient kindness and loving and steadfastness he has with each of us despite our stubbornness. In spite of Jonah's insubordination, God uses Jonah to bring the sailors and Ninevites ultimately to a yielding humility before the Lord. Jonah ultimately stands before the Ninevites and ultimately they repent. They're sorry for what they've done and they repent and they turn. But Jonah was not happy about that. And as we see Jonah sitting here in the belly of a great fish, some have speculated maybe was a whale. He begins to realize that there's something going on inside of the whale that he needs to understand. And he begins to understand the depth and breadth of God's forgiving heart as he works in and through even a reluctant prophet. 
They offering mercy and grace both to one nearby and to those far off. You see, God's plan for Jonah was not about him. It was about God's plan. And so ultimately, Jonah had to realize is that God wanted to be full of mercy for the Ninevites. And as much as Jonah said, no, Lord, you shouldn't do that. I don't want to be a part of that. God said, no. I want to give mercy. I want to love. I want to be steadfast. And it was ultimately the call for Jonah to say, Jonah, you've got to get in line. This plan is not about you. It's about God's greater purpose. And you see, we can choose to be like Jonah. We could choose to be stingy with grace or, and generous with, or generous with our judgment, or we can recall God's lavish forgiveness and love, keeping his mercy ever before us as our guide. We could choose to be like Jonah instead of being the person who is constantly holding back mercy and forgiveness, but instead giving love and mercy and compassion. This is what God's calling us to do. It's God's plan can I tell you today, is all of us, we're just like little ants in God's plan. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about us. He sees us all. As a matter of fact, what is most important about this story is that God is walking with Jonah through every step of his insubordination, every step of his stubbornness, and trying to wrestle through with him in his plan. And even though Jonah was just a little piece of the puzzle in God's plan, God still had a purpose for his life. And God's plan is not about us. It's about the Lord. You see, at the end of time, we're all going to stand before the Lord. We're, people are not going to stand before us, right? They're not going to bow down at our feet. They're going to bow down at the Lord's feet. And all of us, we are serving and giving love to the Lord through our lives. We were created to worship the Lord with our lives. And this was what God's plan was intended to be about through Jonah, was that even though the Ninevites were enemies of Israel, God, full of mercy, could still love them and forgive them and send compassion to their way. Following God's plan is not about us. Secondly, we see this, this powerful concept here that I, I love so much about the story of Jonah is that following God's plan is about discovering where our salvation is. You see, a lot of people in life, uh, maybe, maybe they're, they're young or they're in high school and you, maybe you were in high school at one time and you sat down and you thought, you know, or maybe you were in a class or a teacher or somebody said to you, what are you going to do with your life? And there was a point with all of us where we began to get serious and think about a little bit, what's, what am I going to do with my life? Where am I going to go? What am I going to be? What's my career path going to be? There is always that moment of consideration. And the, the struggle in the Christian life is finding the point where those two intersect. Is finding the point where my path intersects with what God's greater path is. Where I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I begin to follow that. And this was ultimately what Jonah had to learn and discover. And this is why Jonah ended up in the belly of a fish. Because following God's plan is about discovering where our salvation is. Yes, we know that Jesus is our Savior. He is our salvation. But I'm talking about a deeper sense. That when you go through life and you get to a point where you realize, I don't have anywhere else to turn. Instead of turning to this place and that place, we learn that we ultimately turn to the Lord. And so Jonah records this beautiful psalm. 
In, in Jonah chapter 2, a psalm of thanksgiving, it's called. How appropriate for the season we're in. And he recalls these words, and he says, I called to the Lord out of my distress. And before that, uh, I skipped over this. He says that Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of his fish, of the fish. And he says, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Jonah is speaking words that we have read. We read last week through the psalmist, and we hear multiple times through the psalms that when distress comes, that when trouble comes, that when you're stuck in a place and you don't know what to do, where to turn, that you can call to the Lord out of your distress, and he answered me. Jonah learned that his salvation is in God and in God alone. He learned that it had to be a wind that would almost cause the ship to break apart. He learned that it had to be the waters that would almost overtake it. And he learned that it had to be a fish that he would come and make his home for three days and three nights. All of that so that he would learn that there is only one place of salvation and it is in God Almighty. That when you don't know where to turn or what to do or where to go, that salvation comes from the Lord and from Him alone. It's amazing that Jonah at the end of this psalm, as stubborn as he is and as difficult as he is, he stands back and he exclaims, the Bible says that deliverance belongs to the Lord. You know, this word deliverance is a very interesting Hebrew word. And, and I know not to get very uh, challenging upon semantics, but this is a really great concept and principle here that in Hebrew, this word deliverance comes from a root word that is stemmed in a word that you might recognize that is Yeshua. And Yeshua was the same word that when, angel, when the angel would stand up and proclaim to Mary that she's about to have a son and she would say that, or the angel would say to Mary in Matthew, you are to name him Jesus, that name Jesus is translated the same, Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. One cannot read the last line of Jonah, and one cannot understand the story and the rescue of Jonah without ultimately looking to Jesus as their salvation. And this was the story of Jonah, was that when you get to a place and you don't know where to turn, you can look to Yeshua, our salvation, our deliverer, the one who comes to rescue us from the wind, from the wave, and from the great pit that he called himself to be in. Jonah went on to say and say that he not only rescued me from the belly of a fish, he goes on to say that he rescued me from the belly of Sheol, re referencing the Hebrew place of this darkness and all the equivalents of what would have, we would understand to be hell. He, he recognized that ultimately to get out of his place of desperation was God as his salvation. And as the Hebrews and the Israelites would have read this story later on, whether they would want to admit it or not, they could not read the story of Jonah without understanding there's only one place that salvation comes from, and his name is Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus. How appropriate that during these past eight months, as a friend shared with me recently, that we have been swallowed up by a worldwide pandemic that has threatened our physical, emotional health and well-being, 
brought grief to millions and negatively impacted us in many ways. But yet we learn that just like Jonah was in the pit of a bad situation, in the pit of a great fish, that just like we are in the pit of a bad situation, that there's one place that salvation comes from. In his name is Yeshua, Jesus. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. It doesn't matter what all the things that are happening around us, that even Jonah, as one commentator said, as he sat there upon a kidney, would recall that deliverance belongs to the Lord. Isn't it good to know that when we're following God's plan and we just happen because of our stubbornness, because of our insubordination, we take a detour, but yet God is there full of mercy, ready to rescue us? Isn't that just like God? That here we are, we're going about our lives, doing what we want to do, and we get into a, a situation that we've brought upon ourselves, but yet God is there waiting to rescue us and pull us out. Isn't that just like God, that as he did in Matthew, when he came and he was born in a manger, that just like they were insubordinate and they were going about their own ways and own plans for their lives, there just happens to be God who put on human flesh and came to be Emmanuel, God with us, to rescue us from a problem that we brought upon ourselves. It speaks not to us, it speaks to who God is and his goodness and his mercy forever. And it teaches us this principle that following God's plan, it's not about us, but it's about discovering that our salvation is in the Lord. It's in the Lord. In the season of Advent that we're in, I was reflecting recently upon the fact that yes, we will celebrate the coming of Jesus to be born in a manger. But more than that, we have the hope that Jesus that was born in a manger, he proved himself to come, that we also have the same hope that he will come again. And it's not anything to be afraid of. It's something to be hopeful for, that he is our deliverer, our rescuer, and our salvations. That even in the middle of a pit that Jonah was in, that he could learn. My deliverance, it's in the Lord. Out of my distress, I called, and God heard me. How important to learn today that when you're following God's plan for your life, you get into a situation that maybe you brought upon yourselves, that God is faithful to hear every prayer. God is faithful to hear every cry and every plea that comes to him. That's why we give ourselves here during this season that we've been in and Wednesday and praying and seeking the Lord because we truly believe that when we call upon the Lord, He answers us, He hears us, and He will answer us out of our distress. Lastly, as the musicians come, we're following God's plan helps us grow closer to the Lord. Jonah goes through this interesting process here as we're going to begin to wrap this up. That Jonah, he's rescued from the belly of a fish. And what is interesting is that Jonah, you think he would learn his lesson, but he actually got more angry. He actually got more upset that God was going to forgive the Ninevites. And he, he began to continue to question the Lord. He began to continue saying, God, why are you doing this? I, he, he goes on and he tells the Lord, I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And he goes on and he says, Lord, just take my life. I'm done. 
It tells us the place that Jonah was at in his heart, that he had sunk down to a place where he said, this is just, take it away from me, I'm done with this. And the Bible says that the Lord did this. And this is a scripture that I think is easily overlooked, but it shows us something about the Lord and his relationship with Jonah. But the Bible says, and I've studied this scripture, and I've looked at it over and over again through the years, and you know, recently it's just, it just began to become delight to me what God was doing in this scripture. And the Bible says that Jonah, that the Lord appointed a bush, and he made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. As he sat back on the, the hills and he looked at Nineveh, he was waiting to see their destruction come. And there he was in the sun, the hot sun, it was scorching down on him. But the Lord appointed a bush to come over him and give him shade to save him, the Bible says, from his discomfort. If God had not done enough to save Jonah and rescue him, but here God is still giving him attention, mercy, love and forgiveness and then Jonah he says I don't want this bush here so the Lord says okay so he appoints a worm the Bible says that comes and eats the bush that takes the shade away from him as if the Lord was trying to show Jonah I'm trying to help you I'm trying to be with you I'm trying to show you mercy love and forgiveness but yet you're being stubborn and unrelenting and the Bible says the ultimately the Lord questioned Jonah and says, you're concerned about this bush for which you did not labor and for which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and it perished in a night. And he says back to Jonah, a powerful question in the story of Jonah. He says, and should I not be concerned about Nineveh? Should I not be concerned about Nineveh? He answers Jonah's complaint that says, Jonah, this is people too. I love them. I created them. But should I not be concerned about them? And this teaches us something about God's plan, that following God's plan helps us grow closer to the Lord. As the Lord would speak to Peter in John 21, he would tell him this commandment about his life. And this, this quote came from someone that I wanted to read you today that he reflected upon this in the words of what Jesus would say to Peter, that the world tells us that when we're young and independent and could not go where, we're, where we wanted, but when you grow old, you're going to be able to make your own decisions and go your own way and control your own destiny. But Jesus has a different vision of maturity, and it's this. It is the ability and willingness to be led where you rather would not go. It's the ability and willingness to be led where you rather would not go. And this was the story of Jonah. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He did not. And maturity in the faith is saying, Lord, your ways are higher. Your plans are higher. I can't think like you, but I'm willing to go because that's who you are. Ultimately, we learn this through the story of Jonah. Because it doesn't matter where you run, or where you hide, or how you try to escape from the presence of the Lord, you can't escape God's presence and love. And as the psalmist would recall, where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. As the Romans, or as Paul would say to the Romans, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor present nor future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's what we learn in the story of Jonah is that in spite of his insubordination, in spite of his stubbornness, God was still chasing after him and was still talking to him even till the moment that we end the story trying to reason with him and say, Jonah, don't you see? This teaches us today that God has a plan for our lives. But many times we're a stubborn people. Isn't it true? I could confess on behalf of Charlie today, I'm a stubborn person. But the Lord, when he's faithful and he's loving and his kind, his plan is perfect for all of us. He knows exactly where we need to be. And if we'll take a moment and we'll stop, and instead of worrying about all the other circumstances, instead of worrying about where God should do, give forgiveness or give mercy, and instead just trust God's plan, it'll be a whole lot easier for our lives. We stand this morning today. I want to follow God's plan. How about you? Where the Lord leads us, I will follow. I don't want to go down my own path of recklessness. Say, Lord, take me where you want me to be. I want to encourage you today and invite you today as we learn from the story of Jonah, that sometimes inside of us is a root of bitterness maybe, maybe even unforgiveness. Maybe it's a lack of faith, I don't know. All of us, we come from different circumstances, situations. But that we would get to a point in our lives where we say, Lord, I'm just gonna trust your plan for my life. I'm not gonna worry about everything else. That out of my distress, I can call to the Lord he would answer me and deliver me today. That Jesus, he's Yeshua, he's our Savior, our salvation. This morning, would you call upon the Lord with me today? Trust God's plan for your life. You're here, you don't know where to go next, what to do next, how to go, what to do. I want to encourage you today to just invite the Lord to lead you, guide you where you lead us, Lord. We're going to follow. Father, we thank you today for your plan. Your plan is perfect, Lord, as we read in Isaiah. Your thoughts, they're not our thoughts. Your ways, they're not our ways. Lord, today we want to trust you. We want to follow where you lead us, Lord. Father, today we say we're sorry for our stubbornness, for our unforgiveness at times, even our insubordination, Lord. God, today we want to follow you, Jesus. We don't want to be disobedient. We want to be obedient to the perfect plan you have for our lives, to trust you, to lead us where you want us to go, Lord. God, we thank you today. I pray, Lord, this morning that if there's anyone here today and they're in a, a, a match with you, running away from your love, God, you're just continuing to chase them down with your mercy and forgiveness. I pray, Lord, that they would not escape from your presence any longer, that they would turn to you humble adoration and submission surrender their lives to you today lord may we not escape from your presence may we not run from your presence but may we run to your presence today lord knowing that you are our deliverer today god i thank you this morning and i trust you lord jesus speak to us give us life here this morning